Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, and that makes this Stuff You Should Know, the what Criterion you, Collection. What are you doing tonight, buddy? What am I doing tonight? Mm-hmm. What am I doing tonight? I know what you're doing. What? I know what we're doing. Oh, yeah. Tonight, tonight. Tonight. So not like tonight in our physical... No. Temporality. I mean tonight in the future. Yes, like as of like someone listening to this, it would be there tonight. I would say possibly on October 12th. Uh, I am going to be at the Drunken Uni. That's right. The Drunken Unicorn on East Ponce de Leon Avenue in Atlanta. Yeah. At the MJQ Concourse. Yes. Sort of hard to find if you don't know what you're looking for. Well, this is what you do. You go along Ponce Mm -hmm. until you see the Murder Kroger. On your left or right, depending depending on on where you're coming from. Chipotle, opposite the murder Kroger, uh-huh. on the other side of Ponce. Yeah. And um, behind that is MJQ. Yes. Beside that is Friends on Ponce, the bar. Yes. You ever been? No. I'll take you there. Okay. It's going to blow your socks off. Really? Yeah. Uh, and then below Friends is MJQ. Yes. It's a very little nondescript door, gray steel door, I think, some steps down. And I don't think there's any signage whatsoever, Chuck. No. We may have to ha- stand outside and be like, here, right, here exactly. it is, everybody. Why are we there, Josh? We're going to be there because our house band, the Henry Clay people, are going to be playing there. That's right. And this is kind of the unofficial kickoff for our big trivia event night, which uh-huh. is tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Which is October 13th. Yes, and that is at the Five Seasons Brewery West Side on uh, Marietta Street, and it is going to be fun. I'm getting excited, Chuck. I'm getting pretty excited. It's going to be pretty cool. We have uh, actor and author and uh, former literary agent John Hodgman. <laughs> yeah. And we have uh, former Dukes of Hazard co-star Joe Randazzo. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have Squidbillies co-creator. And uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force co-creator. Dave Willis. Yeah. I've been really getting into Squidbillies. Yeah. It's... Awesomely wrong. One in so of my many friends, um, I don't know if he still has it or not, an original um, Squidbillies oil painting on <laughs> wood. And I, I, don't, I haven't talked to him in a while, so I don't know if Dave Willis actually painted it, but I mean, it is dead on. So I need to ask him, do you also paint? I was watching last night, and uh-huh. uh, Earl, the dad, Squid, had a, he always has on different baseball caps to say different redneck things. Right, yeah. And one of them said, Beware. In big letters, and then in small little letters, it said. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. So this is your chance to come out and meet John and Joe and Dave and us and Jerry and uh, the, there'll be other podcasters there. I imagine the ones that don't hate us will be there. So Strickland, Strickland will be there. <laughs> yeah, Strickland will be there. Hopefully, some other people. Yeah. So we invite everyone to come out. Uh, Six o'clock doors. Trivia starts at seven. The Henry Clay People Show uh, is one of those later shows, but we encourage you to come and. and That's on Tuesday. Yes. Trivia's on Wednesday. Five Ex- Season Brewery. Yes. West Side. Experience some rock and or roll, and then some fun trivia. And Chuck, also you can look up our event on Facebook, and there there's yeah. all sorts of details and directions and stuff on sure. that. Absolutely. So, yeah, check it out. Um, the stuff you should know trivia event page. Yeah. And this is Facebook. the last you will hear of this. That's it. 
And then, what, we may be going on a national tour. Yeah. We're almost definitely going to Austin. It's so funny. Like, everyone else is so sick of hearing this, but I guarantee you we will get people on that Thursday on Facebook that say, well, I never heard anything about your trivia event. And we'll just be like, go buy a tech hammer at your local Ace Hardware. (laughs) Right. Uh, Take it home. Yes. Put the receipt in the garbage can and smack yourself in the forehead with it. (laughs) Don't return it after. Right. All right. On with the show. On with the show, Chuck. That's Let's it for PlugFest 2010. Yes, for now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Chuck, I've got a story for you. All right. Story time. Okay. So, remember when we were talking about roller derbies? Yeah. Um, and there was that whole transcontinental roller derby where it was really just a roller rink that people went around 57,000 times for 11 hours a day? Yeah, until they passed out. So, I, I know that, that you know that there's all sorts of athons or what they called what they're called, what they used to be called. People like to just do stuff to the extreme. Test their endurance. Right. Dance-a-thons. Yeah. Um, hunt Nazis-a-thons. Yeah. Just uh, anything you could think of in like the 40s, 50s, or 30s. Well, um, staying awake was not immune to the athon fever. I bet. Um, there's a guy in 1959. He's 32 years old at the time. His name is Peter Tripp, and he's a disc jockey in New York City. New York City. Yeah. And um, he made a little studio in a storefront and said, I'm going to stay awake for as long as I can. And he did. And for- DJ while he's doing it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he did for 201 straight hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, he did, this is kind of a mark against him uh, as far as stay awake a thoners or thon enthusiasts go, but he was given amphetamines by two physicians <laughs> to keep him up. Physicians. But the guy, yeah, well, back in those days. Joey on the corner. Yeah. His physician. Um, so I was going to say back in those days, you know, like you, like doctors prescribed anything, and I thought, oh, yeah, nothing's changed. Right. Um, but it, he, he stayed awake for 201 hours, assisted by amphetamines, but still, right? Quite an accomplishment. It was, and it stood for a while as I think the longest anyone ever stayed awake, and then people started topping it and topping it. And then finally, in 1964, there was a teenager in San Diego, which is a town I know you love, uh, and his name was Randy Gardner, and he's actually still around. That kid stayed up with nothing, no assistance whatsoever for 264 hours. On purpose to try and set the record? Yeah, for a science fair. It's a, it was a science experiment, and the guy ended up setting the world record for a while. I bet he hallucinated like crazy. Now we, yes. Here's the thing. Um, I, I I think Randy had a bit of a hard time. He um, had something kind of a, some sort of psychotic break here or there. I'm sure. Um, Peter Tripp particularly had a hard time, especially because of the amphetamines. Yeah. He hallucinated. Um, Cats chasing mice in the little studio. Right. He thought one of the desk drawers uh, that um, he was seated at where it was on fire. A man uh, showed up in a dark suit, and he confused him for an undertaker and ran out. That's <laughs> probably because it was an undertaker. Probably. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of horrible stuff associated with sleep deprivation. Yeah, I don't like it. Bear with me. I'm, I'm with you. We're about to get to the want, want, want moment, okay? Okay. In 2007, you may remember, there was a guy named... Um, Mr. Wright. I can't remember Mr. Wright's first name. Can you? Tony. He was from Cornwall, England. Oh, yeah. He stayed up for 11 days That's in right. a pub in Cornwall, yeah. playing pool, just hanging out. We did that on the webcast, right? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. He broke the record 
and I'm making air quotes here. Right. He broke um, Randy um, Gardner's record. What he didn't know is that a year after Randy Gardner set the record, a guy in Finland beat Randy Gardner's record. So, two problems here. Tony Wright didn't actually beat the world's record. And the second part is, in 1990, Guinness stopped acknowledging the world records for staying awake the longest because of health reasons. Really? So Tony Wright stayed awake for 11 days for absolutely nothing. Well, he got a lot of coverage, and he was a national hero in Wales, from what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have looked into that beforehand. I would have called Guinness the Guinness people. Yeah. One of his friends is quoted as saying, like, we've never heard of this guy in Finland. Uh, his name was Tomoy Soinoi. No. To- Toimi. That's I've got it. I've got it. His name is Toimi Soini of Finland. I've never heard of him either. Yeah. And that's a name you wouldn't forget. No, but thank you for bearing with me through that horribly long introduction. That was good. My point was this. We have this weird obsession with staying awake sometimes, right? I like don't. It's, it's, well, some people do. Yeah. It, it's, it's like an endurance contest. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy in New York, Peter Tripp, was assisted by amphetamines. These days... There's entirely new classes of drugs that are designed to keep us awake, right? Yes, they're called drugs I don't want anywhere near me. So, Chuck, you you're big on sleeping, right? Well, yeah, but I don't I don't uh sleep like Emily sleeps. She can sleep. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, you know, you get a little older, you start waking up early no matter what. So, even if I have a late night at like 2 a.m., I'm still up at 7. Yes. Okay. But you still require sleep. Yes. I for one I'm alarmed at the concept of synthetically phasing sleep out. Oh, me too. Even if we don't need it, even if we figure out how to get rest without sleep, it just seems wrong. Well, it is. And, you know, we'll talk a bit more about that because I have pretty strong feelings about messing with, you know, your natural human biology. Mm -hmm. Now, we do already, Chuck, through things like caffeine, speed, we stay awake. I know you're huge on speed. Greenies. Not true. <laughs> no, absolutely not true. I kid. Um, but w- what do these things do to you? There's problems. There's side effects, right? They well, keep yeah, you sure. up, but there's a problem. Yeah, caffeine, um, although there are studies now that say that caffeine can be good for you in certain amounts, but caffeine can make you crash. It can give you diarrhea. It can make you really irritable if you don't get your caffeine in yeah. your system. I know that's right. And uh, the same with amphetamines. You have a, a serious crash after an amphetamine high. Yes. And that's not what you're looking for. No, that's called sleep debt. Yeah, and you got to pay it back with amphetamines. Right. Like so sleep for a half a day if you've been up on greenies. Yes. Um, I think, uh, when did, greenies? That was big in Major League Baseball. They called them greenies. Is that, okay. A bunch of baseball players used I'm, to take I'm them. I'm used to them being called bennies. Because oh, I bennies. read a lot of Kerouac when I was in high school. Yeah, bennies. Yeah. That's short for... Uh, Benzedrine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... That's the bad effects of caffeine and uh, Sleep amphetamines debt, for sure. Jitteriness, diarrhea. <laughs> Plus, the problem is, is you're being kept awake. You're awake, but you're not. There's no rest whatsoever. Yeah, your and body's not getting used to it or anything. No, and your mental faculties begin to decline sure. pretty rapidly once it starts. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Chuck, what's somebody who wants to stay up but doesn't feel like getting addicted to speed going to do? What can you do? Well, Josh, you should try. Modafinil. 
What's modafinil? <laughs> it is a sort of new drug. What is it, about 12 years old in total? 98, 99. Yeah. No, some French um, researchers were giving it to cats in the early 90s, but it's really kind of taken <laughs> off for human use beginning in 99, I think. Right. It's uh, it's in a class of drugs called uh, eugeroics. Yeah, which is Greek for, quote, good arousal. Good Classic arousal? Greek, yeah. So the idea here is that you can stay awake uh, with modafinil, and it goes, like all drugs, it goes by like a dozen different names, mm-hmm. and you don't have a sleep debt. That's pretty amazing. It is. Um, what's more, it's and this this article was written by Julia Layton on March 7th, 2007. Mm-hmm. It's changed a lot since then. It has quite a bit. Um, it's At the time, at 2007, modafinil was like this promise of the future, um, and, and not no only no side effects, no, no side effects, <laughs> yeah. no addictiveness. Yeah. Um, all of this stuff is, has been proven untrue over yeah. time. And it, it's actually, I read one study that found that modafinil for use in shift workers, late shift workers, right. it kept them awake 1.7 minutes longer than a placebo. Oh, really? Yeah. So it may not even work. Huh. But, um, Let's let's take the 2007 view of modafinil first, okay? Okay. So it's non-addictive. How could that possibly be? Well, it can't, but... Uh. No, this is the 2007. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're back in time. This is naive. Well, are we explaining how it works? Uh-huh. Um, specifically, it doesn't do what uh, caffeine and amphetamines do things like uh, blocking... Uh, uh, neuroreceptors that trigger drowsiness. Um, one's called adenosine. Uh-huh. And they block the receptors that bind to it. Caffeine does. And so it, uh, will keep you awake basically because you're not feeling tired. Right. So like your neurotransmitters, all of our neurotransmitters function by a release and then they float around and have their effect and yeah. then they're, they're taken back up, uptake, reuptake. Yeah. Well, and dopamine plays a big part too in both of these. Right. But with, with the neurotransmitter, including dopamine, you can activate its release mm-hmm. and or prevent its reuptake. So you're either flooding the brain with it right. and or keeping it in the brain longer, right? Well, and that's what amphetamines do specifically is they give the dopamine nowhere to go. Right. So you're just... Euphoric. Yeah. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> it does sound good, but the problem is is your brain's like, oh, you want to play that game, huh? Well, I'm just going to withhold dopamine right. unnaturally, so you're going to be depressed for three or four days. Absolutely. Okay. So that's how you get addicted to something, though. Anytime dopamine is released artificially in the brain. Your body loves it. Right. And that's, here's the problem. Your dopamine is the centerpiece of the brain's reward system. Right. It's how we learn to eat mm-hmm. and have sex to reproduce. Right. Or have sex for whatever reason. Right. And anything that gives us a sense of pleasure, dopamine's involved and we're taught we're motivated to repeat that behavior through the release of dopamine. So if we drink caffeine mm-hmm. or take speed or do cocaine or whatever and dopamine's released, we're taught to do it again, yeah. which is the basis of addiction, which, by the way, I think we should do a podcast on. Just addiction? Yeah. It's a really interesting yeah. concept. You wrote some about that, didn't mm-hmm. you? A while back. I wrote how addiction works. Well, let's do it. Okay, Chuck. Let's do it right now. <laughs> All right. You ready? <laughs> Not prepared. <laughs> so that's how those other... Uh, well, in 2007, more nefarious drugs would help keep you awake. And, um. Modafinil didn't do that. For some reason. Right. It activated dopamine, but just maybe not as much. Right. And they believe that, uh, modafinil actually targets a neurotransmitter, uh, GABA. 
We'll just call it GABA. GABA. Yo, GABA, GABA. And that is the sleep regulator of the brain, and it seemed to slow down uh, GABA's release. So basically, your brain didn't know that, hey, it's time to go to sleep now. Right, like your circadian rhythm's thrown off, right? Yeah, so it specifically targeted that. And, well, not that alone, because it did release a little bit of dopamine, right? It, it did, but what they were saying was, like, it's just such a little amount that oh, you're sure. not becoming addicted. Like, right. it does, but you're <laughs> yeah. not becoming addicted. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, GABA is not the only, and there's also, um, from what I found, there's four types of GABA, GABA, and apparently, like, GABA 4 is, like, the most sensitive one, and that's, like, the real, is that the one that's the crux attacked? of research right now, is okay. trying to figure out GABA, or GABA 4. Um, but in addition to GABA, there's also histamines, which make us drowsy. Which why antihistamines can jack you up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also glutamate. And glutamate is um, basically the brain's natural speed. Right. Right? Um, so they think that, I think they figured it out by now, but 2007 thought was that the um, the, the modafinil prevented the, the reuptake of glutamate, which keeps you alert and functioning, right? Yeah. And the end result of all this is what they found was uh, a miracle drug is what they called it because there was no sleep debt. When you came off of um, this drug, you didn't need to sleep for a half a day to catch up on things. You would just go back and fall into your regular pattern and be all rested. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah, it does sound great. I mean, staying up for 48 hours and then just being able to get an average eight-hour night sleep. Yeah. And you're fine. I mean, why sure. why wouldn't you want to do that? Me, personally, well, we'll get to that later. Well, we should say, too, though, that it was developed to treat uh, narcolepsy, specifically. Right. And we should probably talk about this. There's a company called Cephalon, and Cephalon took modafinil and marketed the heck out of it. Yes. As uh, Provigil. And Provigil, according to a 2002 New York Times article we read, um, said, call, said that um, it means uh, provides vigilance. Promotes vigilance is promotes what it was short for. Right? Yeah. And basically... It was adopted for off-label use mm-hmm. by everyone from college students to the CEO of yeah. of um, Cephalon. Yeah, what's uh, Frank Baldino? Frank Baldino. He took it, and he didn't say why he was taking it. No, but the only thing it's approved for is right, narcolepsy. Is narcolepsy? Is the treatment of narcolepsy? They've tried to get it approved for jet lag. They tried to get it approved for shift workers um, syndrome. Oh, yeah. They tried to get it approved for general drowsiness, tiredness, um, and they they couldn't. The FDA was like, no, we'll let you sell this for narcolepsy to treat narcoleptics. Sure. The problem is... That's not how it worked out, though, right? Well, the problem is there's only about 200,000 narcoleptics in the United States. Right. So Cephalon's like, we need to get this out there. And they started marketing it off-label, it to, to kind of nefariously as well. Yeah, it became a lifestyle drug is what they classified it as. Yeah, um, a nootropic, N-O-O-T-R-O-P-I-C, which means it's, it's another name for a smart drug. Like transhumanists right. love nootropics. Do they? Yes. All those pharma names are so like, I don't know, they rub me the wrong way. Yeah. So like I said, uh, nefarious, I'm basing this nefariousness on um, this really great article, Chuck. There's two parts called um, The Rise and Fall of Provigil. Yeah. And it's by um, investigative journalist Evelyn Pringle. And I think everybody should read this. It's really interesting. This is hot off the, like yesterday it was released, I think. Yeah, it was. Hot off the presses. How how odd is that? I know that you picked this. Yeah. 
Because I had no idea that this was written yesterday, and we picked it like two days before. Crazy. A week before. Anyway, in the article, she talks about how um, Cephalon had um, physicians that they were underwriting that didn't reveal their relationship to the company, but were saying, like, this is a great drug, and it should be used for all these off-market purposes, stuff that if the company had done it, they would have been prosecuted federally. There was a and the attorney general of Pennsylvania oversaw a bunch of lawsuits, and the company hired him as executive legal counsel. Really? Yeah, just all sorts of stuff like that. There's allegations of um, pay-to-delay um, right. programs with uh, with their competitors. The, they found that 80% of the prescriptions written had nothing to do with narcolepsy. Yeah. It was uh, depression, uh, MS, sleepiness, and like you said, the shift workers syndrome. They were prescribing it for all kinds of things, basically to make you feel better. They had their um, reps actually visiting psychiatrists. Dentists were prescribing this stuff. Really? Yeah. Um, and, and again, 200,000 narcoleptics, 25% of them were on the drug within a year of its release, right? Yeah. And it just wasn't enough. Well, and then that's when they started jacking up the price, uh, when they found out that people really love this stuff. From November to March, it rose 28% in price. And it was 70%, 74% more expensive than it was four years previous in 2004. And I think it topped out at like 13. 18. $18 a pill? Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. And the long and short of all this, as of this week, uh, the European Medicines Agency basically came out and said, you know what? You can't use this for anything but narcolepsy because we have found out that there are certain psychiatric disorders this causes, like Suicidal thoughts and depression and psychotic episodes and potentially life-threatening skin reactions. And also, first, I'm sorry, you're right. It topped out at 13.62 a pill wow. when it was originally five dollars and fifty-three cents a pill. That's and nuts. for no reason whatsoever, it just rose in cost in the U.S. We'll make money. Um, and you were talking about the psychiatric disorders that it exacerbated. Oh yeah. They basically reformulated um, modafinil into a kid's version for the treatment of ADHD. <laughs> and they found that what would be the equivalent in the in the um, actual population of one in about 200 or tw- no, 20 in 100 cases of things like psychotic breaks, suicidal thoughts in children. Right. And this drug, uh, it was called Sparlon, was taken out of FDA testing. They just dropped it. Really? Yeah. Well, and not only that, but it's supposedly non-addictive. Not so. In uh, 2009, a psychiatrist and addiction specialist said uh, to USA Today that he had seen his third case of probagil addiction, and um, two doctors who back-to-back admitted that they were addicted to it, and they were also alcoholics. Right. It's kind of interesting. I guess, so the hammer kind of fell down on um, monophodil and cephalon Kind of simultaneously. It's currently falling, it sounds like. Yeah, the um, FTC has a lawsuit. There's, um, th- I think, three different employees turned whistleblower on the company and filed lawsuits against it. Um, and then, yeah, that psychiatrist came out in USA Today and said that he was treating uh, people for addiction to it, which is huge. And then Bloomberg also the same day, Bloomberg News released a uh-huh. report about its ag- addictiveness. But it's really interesting to read the stuff that's going on now yeah. compared to our 2007 article I know. that I think probably should be taken down and rewritten pretty soon. Yeah, because it's 
basically claims it's a wonder drug like it, Viagra. Yeah, it makes it actually compares it to Viagra and says it's better because you don't yeah. get five hour erections. Right. Right. <laughs> or worse, depending on your viewpoint. <laughs> Uh, so, Josh, that is just one drug that we have picked out, but that is not the whole story of science phasing out sleep. Yeah, and uh, this this whole podcast isn't intended to to target Cephalon. It was just really interesting that we ran across this during our research. Yeah, and again, I think you should read um, the Rise and Fall of Provigil by Evelyn Pringle. Just look it up online. I think it's up there for free, right? Yeah, it's a good one. So, uh, Monofidil is not the only thing, like you said, targeting sleep. No. There's another uh, drug uh, from Cortex, a pharmaceutical company called CX717, mm-hmm. and it works sort of like the other one in that it keeps you awake by triggering uh, glutamate activity. And uh, Glutamate was the brain the energy. speed. Yeah. Specifically triggers that, and it also targets histamine. So it sort of works in the same way, but uh, science is all over. What they're trying to do is they're trying to research and see if they can get people by on less sleep with the same effects as having a full night of sleep. That seems to be the goal. Get three hours of sleep, but your body feels like it got eight hours. And, and not only eight safe. hours, the best eight hours. Yeah, the best eight hours. And it's safe. It can't be addictive, which means it can't have any effect on your um, reward system, so no dopamine can be released. Right. Right? Um, and that what you were talking about, CX-17? 717. CX-717, it's an ampkin. That's mm-hmm. the class of drug, and like you said, it targets the reuptake of glutamate. Has nothing to do with the reward system, as far as we know right now. Right, and that's the one that DARPA is looking into. Mm-hmm. DARPA is leading the the way. They're driving this sleep deprivation research because you know it's military. Yes, and apparently the uh, special ops guys have to stay up for seventy two straight hours, usually with very very little, if any, rest. Sure, and be sharp enough to you know assassinate somebody. Right. Um, so well, the military did a lot of testing on uh, Monofidil. Yes, and this is the this is a, a I can't remember what article it was, but somebody talked to a DARPA researcher who said we we found it was about as good as caffeine. Oh, really? Which is weird. Like I don't understand because this the article that Layton wrote is saying like it is, has a huge following. Right. People swear by the stuff. It clearly did. Mm-hmm. And probably still does. So I don't understand how clinical results could show it's no better than caffeine, while other people are like, this is the greatest thing ever. Well, it could be the placebo going on again. I guess it could be. Uh, with the military, though, they would uh, give it to these pilots for a couple of days, make them stay awake, and then have them go out and fly their fighter jet and just to see what happened. Yeah. And they found that after that it, that it did a good job till about the 48-hour point, and then after that, regardless of what you're on, your body is going to start showing effects of sluggishness and maybe hallucinations and the things that you don't want if you're a fighter pilot. No, or just a regular guy trying to make a living <laughs> in this world. Exactly. Uh, there was a 2009 study. Monofidil actually did contribute to our understanding of the human brain. Um, some researchers at UC Davis slapped people into a wonder machine, mm-hmm. loaded them up on Monofidil, kept them awake, and watched their brain. And they saw heightened activity in the locus... Ceruleus. I can't imagine being in a wonder machine for two days straight. I think they probably sleep deprived him and then probably toward the end of the second day or something they put him. I don't know. Who knows? But they also gave him tests and found that, that some tests have found that people actually do better on psychological tests, tests of skill, mm-hmm. feats of strength, you know, festivist stuff. Yeah. Um, 
on minofidil than they do, you know, just awake or on caffeine or amphetamines or something like that. So there's mixed results. But we didn't know what part of the brain was keeping people awake or was subject to sleep deprivation, and now we do. It's the locus ceruleus. So that's probably going to play a role in this endless quest to do away with sleep, right? Part of it, yeah. It's not just drugs either. They're looking for a sleep gene. That one's really interesting to me. Don't you think? Take it away. Because drugs are drugs, but they believe that there are people that can get by on less sleep. That They're called uh, short sleepers. About one in a thousand people can function just fine on a few hours of sleep. They don't need the big eight or nine hours. Right. And uh, they believe it's hereditary, and they're trying to find this gene so they can tweak it and make us all into short sleepers so we'd all get more stuff done. Yeah, and there's, um, th- there's actually a, a species of fruit fly that is a short sleeper fruit fly, and it has a mutation. And what yeah. they found is a mutation has to do with potassium channels. No one knows exactly what yet, but that's interesting because there's an autoimmune deficiency or an autoimmune disease called Morvan sim- syndrome, and uh, people in Morvan people with Morvan syndrome uh, have trouble sleeping, and there's uh, their syndrome has it, it affects the transport of potassium through yeah. cell membranes. So there's a tie there for sure. Definitely. What, so, so it has something to do with bananas? Is that where this is all headed? <laughs> I guess. Wow. Fruit flies, potassium. Yeah. Oh, my God. So if they find this gene, I, I think what they're looking for is a future where people can um, program their lifestyle how they want it. If, you're, if you want to work 80 hours a week and work till 4 a.m. and get up at 7, maybe there's a pill that can help you do that with no side effects. Maybe. I don't buy it. What I find alarming is that sleep, um, like sleep being synthetically reduced or eliminated, natural sleep. Yeah. It even among sleep researchers who are like, this is a horrible, horrible idea. Mm-hmm. They still say it's inevitable, and apparently the predictions are like ten to twenty years off, where we either have a pill that we can take and sleep for three hours, but feel like we slept for eight, right, and keep going, or we won't have to sleep at all. Um, the problem is, is, remember John Maynard Keynes? Yeah. The economist? Mm-hmm. And he came up with the uh, the leisure society. Yeah. In the 1930s, he was like, people in 100 years won't even have to work. And right. we'll all just sit around and, and have fun. He was right about us being wealthy and having more leisure time. But what he missed the mark on was that we don't spend our leisure time on leisure. No, we'd spend it trying to acquire more wealth. Yeah. So Why? Why would you possibly want to have a 22-hour day of wakefulness? The I whole wouldn't. point of our eight-hour workday is to divide the the day into three parts: eight hours working, mm-hmm. eight hours of leisure time, yeah. which we now spend vacuuming and, and going to the grocery store, right. and eight hours for sleep. Yeah, I find it really discouraging to think that we're going in that direction to where we're carving at the eight hours. We've already done away with the eight hours of leisure time, and now we're going sure. after sleep. Some it's people a would huge love mistake. this, though. I yeah. think it's a huge mistake, but there are some people out there that would love to be able to only get three hours of sleep a night and all the stuff that they could get done. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, what is there to do from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m.? Oh, there'll be, a, I mean, first of all, you got Taco Bell, right? So you can go to Taco Bell. That's one thing. Sure. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff you can do, but imagine well, if internet, everybody can, else yeah. is up. Well, that's true. And I guess if, if they build a 24-hour society, mm-hmm. 
like New York City. Yeah. Those freaks in that town. Yeah. <laughs> it would, it, there would be more things. There would be libraries open. Businesses would be open. Everything would be open for 24 hours. Everything would go to shift work. The no key thanks. here is if we're going to do that, don't ever, ever agree to a salaried position. Always, always make it hourly. Yeah. Or else you're just in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So I say no thank you. I do too, Chuckers. Great. Um, also, if the pills don't work, if they don't find the sleep gene, they've got this one thing. Uh, it's called brain polarization. Remember transcranial magnetic stimulation? Oh, how could I forget? Okay. So this is called the poor man's version of that, <laughs> where rather than using uh, electromagnetism, it uses a DC current to jolt your brain awake. Oh, that's that machine? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, look for that. Look for a future where <laughs> you're, great. you have a cattle prod in your brain so uh-huh. you can work longer. You think, oh, I'm really sleepy. I'm falling asleep and it feels so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel great and I can get some more spreadsheets done. Yes. Uh, if there's going to be any future for humanity, we have to rail against this, everybody. So let's band together. Else everyone go to sleep. You should probably go on to HowStuffWorks.com and read the hilariously out of date, Is Science Phasing Out Sleep? Type in phasing and sleep in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. That will take you elsewhere. Also, don't forget the rise and fall of ProVigil, P-R-O-V-I-G-I-L, by Evelyn Pringle. And also the Stay Awake Men on the New York Times. Uh, It was uh, an opinion column written by Thomas Bartlett. Pretty good stuff. Just his opinion. Yeah. All right. uh, It's time for what? Listener mail? Do we have listener mail? Yeah, we do. Let's do it. The return of listener mail, Josh. And this is specific to our trivia night because it is about Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Awesome. This is from Kate and Hunter, who are married. Uh, hey guys, when I heard that the creator of Aqua Teen would be joining your trivia festival and a trivia festival, uh, I felt compelled to write you guys to tell you of how that show changed my life. I was in my junior year of college when I went to a potluck dinner at a friend's apartment. I met a sweet, handsome, and funny guy there, and we chatted most of the evening. At the end of the night, he mentioned Aqua Teen, he did his meatwad voice, and asked if I'd like to go over to his place and watch ATH. Because he had season one on DVD. That's like the etchings of the 21st century. You want to yeah. come back to my place to see my etching? He's a very smooth character. He is. Uh, we stayed up all night watching the show, laughing and talking. Two years later, we were spending our date night watching ATH and eating pizza when he proposed to me. When we were planning our wedding, we wanted to put Meatwad and Master Shake on top of the cake as an homage to their role in our meeting with Frylock as the minister. But we couldn't find any little figures of them. Uh, we tried several times to get in touch with someone connected to the show, see if they could hook us up or tell us where we could buy them, but we never had any luck. Our wedding was perfect anyway, and we've been married uh, close to three years now. Needless to say, we still love Aqua Teen. So, if you guys think to share our story with Dave Willis, tell him thank you for us from Kate and Hunter. And this is our way of sharing it. And yeah, I hope Dave Willis with everybody. is listening to our show. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if he does now. Now that he's like, oh, I didn't know these guys existed. I guess I'll listen to him since I'm playing trivia. I, with I him. bet he he checked it out and uh, may have listened to a poor episode and never tuned in again. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> or maybe he's our number one fan now. Yeah, I think that's a great story. And I, for one, think that they should manufacture the characters from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like, uh, remember sure the have. little Smurf figurines? Yeah. Perfect size. Handy. You know, back in the day when uh, South Handy Park first Smurf. came on. I made a uh, little Sculpey. You know what Sculpey is? Have you ever used Sculpey? It's like Play-Doh and clay, but you can bake it in your oven at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sculpey. Yeah. I made little Sculpey South Park guys 
because they didn't exist at the time. It was so new. And people were like, oh, my gosh, where'd you get those? And I said, I made them. And then, you know, they started mass manufacturing South Park and everything after that. Nice. So anyway, I would have recommended to Kate and Hunter to get Sculpey and make your Frylock and Master Shake and Meatwad. They're pretty demanding. They like things to just be kind of given to them. That sounds like it. Yeah. Well, thanks, Kate. Thanks, Hunter. Um, mazel tov on your wedding. Sorry it didn't work out exactly according to plan, but we'll see if um, God can change things for you. If you have something you want to um, let us know about, a wedding, a funeral, um, or a voyage at sea, we want to hear about it. Wrap it up in an email and send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?